Welcome to the Truth and Dare podcast, where we celebrate growth-obsessed businesses just like you. My name is Jennifer Neal. I'm an entrepreneur, brand expert, business leader, and the host of the Truth and Dare podcast. Um, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Jen. Great to be here. So excited to have you. So, you know, um, our listeners are used to talking about the entrepreneurial journey. So I'd love to talk about that. And maybe you can help us understand where where you are now and kind of how you got to where you are now um, with boutique growth. Um, and then I thought we would talk a little bit about a, a deeper conversation into um, what you a part of your program and a lot about what I do and we do at Truth and Dare around positioning. So maybe you could help us understand, you know, where where you are now and a little bit about how you got to where you are. Cool. I'll give you my career in three bullet points. Bullet point number one, because marketers love bullet points, right? This just, you know, who doesn't love a good bullet, right? <laughs> bullet number one is um, started out at Ernst & Young in accounting uh, because I wanted to work at a big firm and wear nice suits to work and go out for fancy, go to my lunches downtown Toronto. That was fun, you know? Yes. But, you know, kind of quickly realized that accounting wasn't the best thing for me, although I was good at it. And the big firm environment wasn't the best culture for me because it wasn't super friendly to innovation and outside the box thinking and whatnot. Um, Solve for that by proceeding to bullet number two, which was left the firm, joined a small boutique consulting firm that was basically just getting started, had one big whale client and no real business processes or any semblance of a strategy to speak of and built out the entire business end of that firm. I did everything from marketing to business development, operations, project management, finance, HR, you name it. Um, and really through that experience began to focus. And I'm, you know, at this stage, I'm early, relatively early in my career, you know, late twenties, trying to find my calling in life. And I found it in marketing, um, in, in, in all the different pieces of the business that I touched, I really took a, a calling to marketing for a couple of reasons. One is I just found that's what made the difference. You know, marketing makes sales easier. Marketing makes offers more distinct. Marketing engages the human psyche and compels people to buy. And that's really where the battles won or lost. And I found that out the hard way by making all those mistakes and not doing the right things in that business. Um, and also developed a bit of a passion for the art of marketing and, and psychology and what makes people make decisions and what emotional triggers really drive people in a B2B context. Um, and then bullet number three was, I'm actually going to give you four bullets. Bullet number three was, uh, well, I could probably help other firms with this. I was working for a single consulting firm at the time and we had great success. And I thought, well, there's so many other consulting firms that could be helping. Had a bit, bit of an entrepreneurial itch at this stage. It was always there, but I kind of felt ready now to go out and, and hang out my own shingle, so to speak. So I started out as a essentially a, a fractional director of marketing. I would go to a consulting or professional service firm and say, I'll, I'll run your shop for you, pay me these thousands of dollars a month, and I'll run it for you. And I got really busy doing that and did that for, you know I think, four or five years, actually. Um, successfully made great money, uh, but, but after a while realized if I want to scale this thing beyond the level that I'm at, things are going to have to change. Bullet point number four, packaged up a program called the 90-Day Pipeline, um, that trains consulting and professional services firms to do positioning and do packaging and do lead generation and do sales all in a nice little neat uh, 90-day package that you may be familiar with, Jennifer. And um, and I've been focused on building and scaling that for the past 
two and a half years and I'm still in bullet four. Awesome. I think there's a lot to be said though, between bullet three and bullet four. <laughs> Probably. Because I've been there myself, that big jump between not just your enterprise days, but then your smaller consulting days, somebody else was still handing you a paycheck. So mm-hmm. how did you wrap your head? And I'm not sure whether or not you were married and had a family at that point, but how did you wrap your head around that jump between those two very tiny bullets? <laughs> you yeah. know, what was the aha moment for you? How did you, how did you rationalize that? So, I mean, I remember the aha moment. It was a, it was a series of aha moments that felt very familiar. I had, you know, probably this is going back now four years, you know, I want to say at the time to really contextualize this for you. It's, we launched the 90 day pipeline in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 2018 summer. Right. But I conceptualized the idea back in 2016, 17, <clears throat> it took me a year and a half to actually launch it. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Only your listeners can hear that. Um, at the time I had, I think a couple of kids. Yeah. My second daughter was born in 2015. So I had a couple of kids, I had about probably four or five major clients and I would just drive around the city and go to their, it's been a day at their office you know, half a day at their office. And I remember this happened repeatedly. It wasn't one time, but I remember sitting in their boardroom, you know, after meetings were done and I'm wrapping up emails, I'm doing all this stuff and trying to get home and see my kids. And it occurred to me, why am I driving all over the city to meet these folks where they're at when I have rare and specialized expertise that they're in desperate need of? Yet I'm, you know, I'm going out of my way to cater to them. And, and I like my guy. I, I wasn't begrudging about it. I like, I genuinely like my clients, but it, there was this kind of like aha moment where I realized I have the goods here. Like they, they wouldn't be able to do this without me. And I'm bending over backwards to make it easy for them. And that's when I realized, well, I, I probably should be packaging and, and not to mention that I would get involved in some of the very mundane tactical implementation exercises that I wasn't really even positioned well to be of assistance with because I wasn't in their business. I wasn't a full-time employee. I was a, you know, a hired gun, right? So I get involved in all these tactical things that didn't make sense for me to get involved with because I was there and they thought, well, Ahmed's here and he can handle this. Why don't we let him handle it? Even though it made no sense for me to handle it from a business perspective. So that's when it hit me that, you know, I have expertise here that is rare, that is valuable, that is specialized, that is in demand. And I'm essentially selling that expertise for pennies in the dollar by bundling it with all the implementation, execution, going to their offices, having useless meetings when, you know, really 20% of what I do is where the value is. And I could charge a pretty hefty premium for that 20% and work with a hundred clients instead of five. And that's where the light bulb went off. But it sounds to me, if I may be so bold as to say that there, there had to have been more than just, I would call that a tactical light bulb where you saw that you had the expertise, but there had to be a mind shift there too. Like at what point did you say, I'm the expert. Why am I like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I think there's a real mindset shift there too. You know, I think in the beginning, it's probably very typical. You hang your hat on the implementation and the execution of work because you don't know where else to hang your hat. Right. So you go to the market and you say, well, we can help you. I can help you get these results and I'll see it through and I'll handle it from A to Z strategy to implementation and we'll get it done. And 
if you don't have anywhere else to hang your hat, then that's what you got to say to clients to win some deals. And, uh, and it's through that you develop a sense of expertise um, that can stand on its own in the absence of implementation. And that's, I think, really where the aha was for me is, you know, I had, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, right? I had to go to the market and sell myself as a director of marketing. So I would have the opportunity to do that work with clients, right? And get the results and refine my expertise and develop a viewpoint or a point of view. I wouldn't, if not for those first few clients and those first few years, I wouldn't have a formula or a methodology or a perspective to share that I could then package into the 90 day pipeline. You know, so that those early days of getting into the weeds and doing that work and battle testing my ideas, I was very much a mad scientist. You know, it was like, I have these clients now who I, I can like in the, in the real world battle test my ideas with and see what works and what doesn't work. And you know, where, you know, where, where, where the opportunities lie. And, you know, I couldn't have sold my expertise in the early days. I didn't really have anything well articulated, but it was through the work with those clients that I was able to articulate my ideas, package and sell them. And so yeah, I mostly like it was, it's not the sexiest story because it wasn't like a, the thing clicked, right? It was more of an evolution uh, that was really um, premised upon me getting comfortable with what I could do from an expertise perspective and what I could own. Right. Got it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about positioning and the power of positioning. Um, obviously it's a, it's a part of your program. It's a big part of what truth and dare does, obviously, um, different applications, but I think we would both agree that it's, I would say it's one of the most important things you can do from a competitive standpoint. Um, but I see people get stuck here and I see people get stuck at positioning all over the place. Um, and I know why. I mean, I've been there myself twice in my life. I've repositioned twice in in uh, my career. So first of all, from your perspective, I know what my answer would be, but why do you think positioning matters so much? The market, and this applies to every market today, it's so competitive. It's so cutthroat. Buyers have so many options available to them with the click of a mouse and a stroke of a keyboard that they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt anymore. I'm looking for the best option for me, the option, the solution that is tailored to my needs and that sees the world from my perspective and shares my viewpoint. I'm not looking for something generic. The buyer, the consumer, if you want to call them that, is far too evolved to satisfy themselves with generic solutions to generic problems. They want the specialist. They want the person, firm, uh, company, that caters to people like them. And it's imperative because of the options available. I mean, if you try to be all things to all people, you will drown out in the noise. You could have done that 20 years ago, potentially, 30 years ago, potentially, right? But with the options available to the consumer now, it's it's a it's a death wish to be a generalist. Right. And yet there's so much fear around it. You know, I'm sure you see it in the 90 day pipeline. I certainly see it in the work that I do. I've been in, I've been that person myself and I know the value of it. So, you know, I know that people worry about, so yes, I'm saying no to all of these general ideas. These I'm saying no to all of the general opportunities that could come to me. And yet they fail to see the fact that the ones they specifically go after, there's usually so much opportunity there. 
they would spend a lifetime trying to approach, target, message a specific group of people. How do you talk the 90-day peers around this idea of what I call, you know, this scared of losing versus the upscale of winning? So to me, the hesitation to specialize and to really dial in and narrow your positioning and your focus comes from two root cause issues. One is insecurity and two is intellectual laziness. Insecurity in the sense of if you're going to own a market and really dial in where your focus is, you better be the freaking best in that market. You're like there's no room to say, here's my scope. Here's my focus. I'm narrowing it. Oh, and I'm just another option in that space. I'm just average. There's no room for that. You can be average and cater to a broader market and maybe get away with it, but you'll get average results. But if you're going to go really, really specific and really niche and specialize, you better be really, really good at what you do. And not everybody has the confidence to go that way yet. And they need to build that confidence. But insecurity is one of the bigger challenges there Um, because there's no, you know, like one of my clients once said when we did a testimonial interview, and we're talking about the importance of thought leadership and, you know, thought leadership and, and marketing at large is in my books, it's the proof of positioning. You can make claims all you want, but can you deliver the goods? Can you demonstrate to me that you are the expert that I need? And he said, you know, the, the focus that you have in your program around publishing and thought leadership is really powerful because if I claim to be an expert, I better have some expertise I can publish on. I better have some stuff I can talk about. And if I don't, what claim do I have on, on this expert status, right? And so there's some pressure there and some people buckle um, through a level of insecurity. Second is intellectual laziness. Like if you're going to go all in on a market, on a segment, you, you better think through what they need, <laughs> You better be really clear on what their pains are. You better be really specific in your messaging. You better live and breathe that market. You better go to bed thinking about them, wake up thinking about them. You better dream about them, right? And you know, frankly, that's a level of commitment that I think not everybody has towards their market or their business. A lot of people, it's not just in business, but a lot of people want to mail it in. You know, they want to um, lose weight without going to the gym and they want to grow their business without positioning um, and they want leads to come to them without effort. I mean, you, <laughs> Jennifer, you and I, as, uh, as, as, as players in the marketing space, see this all the time. How often do clients come to you and say, well, I don't want to do any of this stuff, but I want you to hand me leads that are ready to buy in a silver platter for the less, the least amount of work on my part and the least amount of money invested. Or a guarantee. Get out, get out of my face. You know, like what, you know, where else can you get results like that for such little effort or money invested up front um, in, in any realm of business or life? Right. And so I, I think it's that level of intellectual laziness where the people just don't want to think it through. They don't want to see it through. They want everything to come easy. And the feeling is, well, if I just rest on my laurels and maintain a broad positioning in the market, people will somehow magically come to me and find me. And that's a lot easier. Of course, it never works out that way. Right. So, but how do you help someone? Um, you know, the clients that we work with have so much expertise, they're tripping over their expertise and yet still struggling with, like, we're not talking about struggling to find a vertical. We're not talking about struggling to find, a, a, you know, a, 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 broad ex, a broad offering. They are tripping over themselves with their science innovation or their, um, new idea they're taking to the world, yet they still struggle to position. 
there is the other client or, or customer out there or business, let's call it, that has some expertise here and has some expertise there and has puddled here and puddled there and they got to put a stake in the ground. So they might not consider themselves yet to be the expert. You better know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? But they're on their way to that. They're on their way to wanting it more, wanting to own a particular white space, I call it. How do you help them to understand that? Because those first two ideas you mentioned, um, insecurity and intellectual laziness, that can be pretty daunting for someone that knows they want it and isn't quite there yet. So how do you speak to that? I say, Jennifer, describe to me the client that is absolutely perfect for you in every way in terms of their line of business and how they work and how they think and what they do and their circumstances and the timing of where they're at right now. I'll give you my answer. I mean, really simply, right? Perfect client for the 90-day pipeline is somebody that has an existing B2B consulting or professional service. They've done relatively well via referrals and word of mouth. They probably had a couple of will clients here and there. They either lost a deal or a couple of deals and realized that they have no proactive, deliberate way of generating new business apart from waiting for referrals and word of mouth to come in. And now they got a problem. That's our perfect client. Right. We work with that client day in and day out, right? And you know that evolved over time, but the, to me, the, the the starting point for positioning is who is that perfect client? Like who is? Because that's an easier question to ask than to say, okay, how are you going to position your business? You know, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You know, like what 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 is the perfect position? No, who is the perfect client for you here and now? Who is the client that you can, you believe that you can serve better than anybody else in the marketplace? That's the seed right there. Right. And sometimes it comes down to a choice. Um, uh, K-Swiss, which is an old tennis brand. I don't know if you remember it, but I, I certainly do. do. Um, a, a legacy tennis brand did a repositioning, a massive, we're talking enterprise now, right? Did a massive repositioning exercise a couple of years ago. And they realized they were only known for tennis, which left their opportunity for scale to be pretty slim. And so to make a long story short, they decided to own entrepreneurship. They saw the rising numbers. They decided to own entrepreneurship. So some might, some might say, how do you own entrepreneurship as a sneaker company? Adidas owns fashion. Nike owns athleticism. And here comes K-Swiss wanting to own something like entrepreneurship. Like, how do you do that? Well, this week they launched the Sneaker for Girl Scouts of America. The youngest entrepreneurs on the planet, along, alongside the lemonade stand kids, are Girl Scouts going door to door selling their cookies. And so K-Swiss builds a shoe for them. That is classic positioning. And they can probably never run out of ways to bring a product to the world of entrepreneurs. So, you know, here we go from a B2B, we, you and I were talking about B2B, on the B2C side, you know, it's just as relevant, if not more so. I mean, I only shop at Lululemon. <laughs> it's 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 a real problem. And like why? every week, I don't. Well, I mean, uh, there's ultimately a brand affinity, right? They're speaking. Yeah. Like I'm working out a lot now. I'm very active. They're speaking to people like me. Everything just fits and feels like I don't. Know, I don't really fully understand, right? But there's some serious affinity there. 
Totally. I bought everything at the damn store. Yeah. Lucky. You know, I only buy Apple products. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the, the challenges in B2B is people don't think that customers have that kind of affinity towards the brand and they're wrong. Totally. We say that all the time. The, at the end of the day, even if they're buying a manufacturing of a, of a lug nut, they are a human being. And so we need to treat them like a human being. And, you know, Jennifer, you know, you having been through our program, you've seen this firsthand, like, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today and, and, and they, and they said they run an agency and they said, like, I can't believe how many amazing testimonials you guys have. I mean, you must be so proud of that. And my response was actually, I think it's nowhere near where it should be, but thank you. Right. Yeah. But you know, we're B2B, right? Like there is a way to build that brand affinity and build that really strong connection with the marketplace in a way that's emotional and powerful and meaningful and not stale and boring. And I think that's one of the real challenges in the B2B space is everybody thinks they've got to be buttoned up and stale and boring and yeah. it's got to fit into a matrix, right? Yeah. And it's just not the case because humans yeah. are humans, B2B or B2C. Yeah, look at Salesforce. I mean, Salesforce, what they put out in their marketing is just so far from what you would think would come from that kind of a B2B firm. So I totally agree. Love the new commercials. Uh, yeah, they're great. So I want to pivot a little bit to like, if you started boutique growth in 2016, 17, and we're at 20, you know, 2021, like that is a fast, you you are on a trajectory that is unbelievable. Um, Let's talk about work-life balance. Like, how does that work? I know you've got little girls and, and a home life and yet a busy, bustling, growing, scaling business. How do you keep it all in check? I mean, last couple of years have been an interesting grind. Um, I wouldn't say that I uh, achieved any meaningful semblance of work-life balance for the last two years in particular. Um, but that also wasn't my strategy. My strategy was um, grow fast, build the team fast, build capability in-house fast that will not rely upon me to do everything. And then it's essentially benefit from the structure that I built. Right. And so that was the last couple of years. We scaled really, really hard. Um, you know, two years ago we had no team basically, right. A couple of people here and there. Now we're 15 people. Um, and as a result, uh, I'm pretty much redundant. Like, you know, someone should fire me. Um, I work about 20, 25 hours a week at this stage. Um, and it's challenging because the problems that we solve in the business now are much more challenging and sophisticated. And so mentally, I'm very much engaged, but time in the office at a computer is nowhere near where it used to be. Um, we go skiing every weekend now in the winter, now that the slopes are open. Um, and you know, I always tell people, I'm not trying to be the world's best entrepreneur. I'm trying to be the world's best dad. Um, and I want a business that is fulfilling and that has an impact on the marketplace and creates a kind of income that supports our lifestyle. And that's it. And I'm definitely driven by my moral obligation towards the marketplace. I believe we have something here that is just not accessible anywhere else. Um, and that's driven me up until this point. But there's a point at which the added complication of growing a business um, no longer suits you. Uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably aren't honest with themselves about that. There's a lot of just like, grow, 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 scale, scale, scale. And I could have done that. We could have kept growing and kept scaling, but we're at a point now where we're making a real dent in the market. We've really cemented our position as leaders in the marketplace. We have a fantastic team. We're making great money and I have fantastic balance. And so why mess with that is my philosophy at this stage. 
Well, you know, I'm, I have to say like, you're my biggest fan. I'm your biggest, I'm your, I'm your biggest fan. That's I'm also your biggest fan to be fair. (laughs) Uh, That was presumptuous. No, I'm your biggest fan. I am a, a 90 day peer and you know, I, I, this it's the scale piece for me because so many of us don't know how to scale. We know how to do what we do well. And, and in my case, know how to position. It was the scale piece for me that was so important. And so I, you know, I almost don't want to release this because I feel like you're the magic in my back pocket. And um, if anyone, everyone knew about you, then we'd all have a lot bigger. We'd all have a much bigger problem because we'd have, bigger competitors. Um, But I also know that uh, to your point, there's so much intellectual laziness out there that Pete, they won't do the work. So they're not my competitors. There are very few people that will come in and do what I call it the MBA, like drinking from the fire hose. It's MBA in 90 days. And um, it's just an unbelievable program that you've built. So I want to say congratulations and, you know, Again, I just, I can't say enough about you. Well, thank you. And, and and there's an important lesson in that too, though, for your listeners, I think. We say this to people all the time who come in and want to work with us and they go, well, how much work is it going to be and how hard is it? And honestly, our like our, our, the, the, the team's response that they're trained to deliver on is if you're worried about how much work it's going to be and how hard it's going to be, it's probably not for you. Totally. Because our clients who get great results, you know, you being one of them, Jennifer, like they're not scared by a little bit of hard work and intellectual rigor. They thrive on it because they know that's the winning difference. That's where they're going to win the game, right? Not by taking the easy way, but by, t- by taking the hard way. Um, and so, you know, I think for anybody listening to this, that's my honestly my best advice in business is if you're the kind of person that wants to take the easy route in business, um, just go do something else better for you. If you want to take the hard way and really master the principles uh, and the frameworks of great businesses, no one will compete with you. No one can match you. I would even up that one uh, bullet point and say, I don't even think sometimes we know what the hard work is because we don't know what to do. And so one of the biggest things I can say I gained was just not knowing what not not knowing what to do and then having that guidance, that direction, that almost one, two, three step beginning to end process that is just so valuable. And then, you know, what real hard work is, you know, it's nose to the grindstone once you know what to do, but we spin our wheels trying to figure it out half the time. Anyway, I'm it's kind of like, um, I think the, the metaphor I like to use is it, it's like, it is like an MBA, right? Like and I got a lot of friends who went and did their MBAs because they weren't really quite sure what to do with their careers. And they figured an MBA would give them some clarification and focus and set them on their path. I mean, that's really what we do in the end, right? It's like, you're not really quite sure where to take the business. What's going to make sense, what path to take, how to build this up. Okay. We'll jump in. We'll get you that clarity. And it's, it's time well invested. Absolutely. Well, you know, thank you so much for your time. I know it's precious. I'm so thankful you joined us. I have two final questions for everyone on our show. The first question is, give us your favorite book recommendation. Oh, I'm going to go with, oh, favorite. Uh, All right. I'm going to, I'm going to pull one out of the archives. Um, Lynchpin. Seth, I, I, I don't know if I have a favorite, but the okay. one that the one that I think has been probably the most formative in my thinking as a professional is Lynchpin by Seth Godin. 
I've never heard of that book. It's an oldie, but a goodie. I love the oldies. Awesome. Okay. And then my, my final question is, if you were to give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur that is struggling and in it and struggling or thinking about the leap or the dive into entrepreneurship, what would you say to them? Make it about the customer. We get caught in all kinds of layers of abstraction when we think about business and the offer and positioning and the messaging. And it gets really, really complicated really, really quickly. But sometimes we forget at the end of the day, there's a customer that has a problem and a pain that you can solve. Make it about them. In my weaker moments, when I'm struggling, we got difficult challenges and problems to solve and I'm in over my head, which happens often, right? My go-to is who can I help? I go to her, here's the dirty little secret, Jennifer. When I do those impromptu Zoom calls inside our client group, that's more for me than anybody else. And hopefully it benefits you guys too, right? But it's like, sometimes you got to go talk to a customer and help them solve a problem to remind you what the hell all this is for. So make it about the customer. Great advice. And just so you know what it's like on the other side, it's like manna from heaven. You know, it's like we get more time with Ahmed. So... Just so you know, it's we're grateful. I tell the truth and nothing but the truth. You got it. Um, let us know where we can find you. What's the best place for our listeners to check you out? Check out the program. Yep, 90daypipeline.com. There's a bunch of information there. Um, you can look us up on social too. Uh, but 90daypipeline.com is a great place to go and get started. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Talk to you soon. That's it for today, folks. Be sure to check out our site, truthanddare.ca, for more content and more podcasts where we interview growth-obsessed businesses just like you.